So in the setting of a concert, thou shall not be a buzzkill is kind of one of our big tenets, right? Like people aren't there to be bummed out. They're there to have a good time and enjoy themselves. We try to go with that towards positive solutions about how the future can look brighter and better for ourselves, other species, and generations to come. I'm your host, Adam Met, And just to make it confusing, today we are chatting with husband and wife Adam Gardner and Lauren Sullivan. You may know the other Adam as the guitarist and vocalist from the alt-rock band Guster. He and his wife are extremely passionate about sustainability in the music industry and beyond. Lauren comes from the nonprofit space and worked with the Rainforest Action Network, also known as RAN. They created a unique platform called Reverb for artists like Billie Eilish, Maroon 5, and Dave Matthews to make their touring environmentally responsible while teaching their fans how to participate in the climate movement. Our conversation spans music, touring, celebrity activism, and social responsibility. A quick reminder that we are planting a tree for every person who subscribes to this podcast, so make sure to hit that subscribe button. And without further ado, here are Adam and Lauren on Planet Reimagined. So touring as an artist is incredibly complicated, far more complicated than fans really understand. They show up to a show, they see music, they see lights, they buy merchandise. Can you talk a little bit about the elements of touring that are particularly carbon intensive? Yeah. We started this whole thing because of the obvious things like plastic on the ground at the end of every night and everything being disposable. Of course, those have carbon footprints. On the artist side, it's their travel, right? So it's the buses, it's planes, hotels. And then in general, when you're looking at a concert, it's the fans, their travel to and from the shows. Yeah, definitely. And to kind of give a little bit of background on both of you. So Lauren, you came from this space. You worked Mm -hmm. in the nonprofit space. You worked with the Rainforest Action Network. What attracted you about the music space? And obviously it's Adam, but aside from that... (laughs) Come on, that's not it. <laughs> so, you know, the reverb piece and why I feel like this platform is so ripe and important and I think can be a critical element to us potentially maybe saving ourselves on the climate change front and on the environmental front. It's really about, you know, the connection of band to band and, and having this quote unquote captive audience together, this community together. And I came from the nonprofit world. And and the thing that I kind of lamented was the fact that we were all environmentalists in a room, nodding each other in agreement. And we weren't piercing through that bubble and, and like talking to your average everyday citizen or having that dialogue or debate or discourse around environmental issues. And so when I was at Rainforest Action Network, it was this concert where Dave Matthews Band was allowing RAN to table at the show. And... They were protesting Home Depot at the time around their old growth wood practices. And there were, you know, protests and lockdowns and all sorts of great civil disobedience happening around it. And the Home Depot sponsored a venue in Georgia where Dave Matthews Band was playing. And the Home Depot people were not happy at all. And the Dave Matthews Band folks kind of used their power, their their celebrity, and I think they're really their ticket sales to say, hey, you know what? You know, we can return the ticket sales. We, we can not do this, but these people are important to us. We want to have them here. They're part of our voice and what we're doing. I was like, wow, you know, talk about leveraging your your power for good. And and so for me, as somebody who loves music and pop culture, and just seeing that that DMB power was really exciting. And I think it was Adam, 
lamenting the fact that they were on their Earth Eater tour bus. And <laughs> we named, we yeah, literally yeah. nicknamed it the Earth Eater. So we felt <laughs> so badly about yeah. our impact of touring. When did that happen for you, Adam? When did that light bulb go off in your head that you were saying, okay, what we're doing is great for the fans, but it's problematic for the world? It was really through Lauren. Like, so we met when we were, you know, I'm 47. 18, 19. And we she, she was, yeah, she was 18. <laughs> I was 19 when we met. And so she's always been the environmentalist. I've always been in music and just through getting to know her and falling in love with her and living with her and then living as you do when you're falling in love with an environmentalist, uh, <laughs> you start doing what they want you to do. And then I started realizing it made a lot of sense. And then we go down the road and it was the complete opposite, right? The food we were eating, the the waste we were creating, the, the emissions we were putting out into the air, just all of it just felt completely antithetical to how I was living at home. You mentioned Reverb a little bit. Can you give a brief overview of the projects that you have with Reverb right now and what Reverb is as an organization? <laughs> <laughs> I just got the tap. Guess it's me. Um, yeah, I mean, so bringing our two worlds together, literally a marriage right. and figuratively between her environmental work and what I do in music, the goal of Reverb is to harness the power of music to engage really the bands and their fans is really kind of the way we've been approaching it to take actions that are measurable and deeply impactful to protect people on the planet. And so it helps to start with a band because a band has this incredible relationship with their fans, as you know, that not many public figures have. Even Leonardo DiCaprio, who's an incredible environmentalist and activist, doesn't have quite the same relationship with his fan base as, as a musician does. Because musicians are writing lyrics from their hearts about their experiences and fans are attracted to that. They're, you know, tattooing lyrics on their body. You know, I'm sure you've had this experience, yeah. as have many musicians. Super powerful. It's a really yeah. a unique opportunity to actually have a very real conversation and dialogue and hopefully engaging dialogue to get people to take action in conjunction with Reverb to make it easy for people to take action on tour and at concert. Why isn't this happening? There seems to be a, a, a chasm between intentions and actions. Why? And how can Reverb cross that chasm? And so if it's an artist, it's because everyone's plates are full on the road. And so let's fold one of our staff into their touring crew to actually handle all the greeting backstage and let's also use that staff to engage fans at the concerts through our eco-village. So we'll bring in local and national environmental groups in each market, setting up these tents, having a whole program in place for fans to plug right in. It's branded as the artist, so it's taking advantage of that connection. The artist is putting it out on social media ahead of time and afterwards. So you're reaching these fans during a peak moment, a concert. They're there to see their favorite band. And the band saying the moment they come into the venue, hey, here's what we're doing on tour to be more sustainable. Here's the things we're excited about, very positive and solutions-based. Here's what you can do as a fan to join us in our efforts. And then at the end, holding up the results to everybody and saying, hey, Ruin 5 fans, you just eliminated over 10,000 single-use water bottles at your shows. Or we've now you know, neutralized X number of tons of carbon in the air through the carbon offset program or whatever it is. That's pretty amazing. And to have that kind of ownership over something you did as a fan by coming to a concert, mm -hmm. almost as a byproduct of you buying a ticket, that must feel really great for the fans. Can you talk a little bit about some of the specific artists that you've worked with and kind of the diversity of things they've cared about? Yeah, I mean, it, we've been very lucky in that a lot of artists we've worked with over, over a decade. So there's even been a diversity of campaigns and causes within the environmental world that we've done on, say, a Maroon 5 tour or a mm -hmm. Dave Matthews band. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say Jack Johnson, who we've worked with since 2005, has been fairly consistent with ocean yeah, plastics. and plastics and food systems and education for kids. For Dave Matthews band, we've done everything from 
GMO labeling to climate change to animal conservation, rhino, elephant protection. Yeah. Wow. So it's a wide range. Generally, our programs are on their tours as they exist and we integrate into their tours. But we've been lucky that like lately, especially pop music is kind of caught on to what we're doing. Before COVID struck, we were in the middle of a Billie Eilish world tour, the 1975 Tame Impala, Lumineers, Sturgill Simpson, and my band, Guster. So that was just the beginning of the year. We were going to do Dead & Company and Harry Styles and Dave Matthews Band and Maroon 5. And those are all the artists that we work with and have been working with for a number of years. But it is neat to see Billie Eilish come to us weirdly through Coldplay's camp, which was great. So there's a nice little word of mouth thing happening. We do really try to hone in on like, well, what are you interested in? What would your fans respond to? Certainly the younger artists that we work with all feel climate change is like the thing. And uh, we agree. A big part of it is curating a program that will speak to the fans and that kind of acknowledges the fact that many of these artists are activists in their own right. And this is just a way for them to share that activism and message and passion by way of reverb to their Mm -hmm. fans. I think it's a really special thing. So it's not a one size fits all. We're kind of a nimble nonprofit organization that creates these programs in partnership with the artist and their management so that it feels authentic to them and ideally, of course, to their fans. Yeah. It's an interesting point you bring up about the artist involvement and the management involvement, because one of my questions always is, okay, how much of this is a PR move designed by a label or management to make it look like the artist actually cares about issues? And how much of it is actually the artist caring about issues? I would say 99% of the time, tell me if I'm wrong, Adam, because he's like the artist liaison guy, but it's very much coming from the artist and it's mostly trickling down. Like how much are they communicating to their management? Like, hey, these are kind of the marching orders. This is what we want to be doing. And then that being conveyed to their, their road team, their tour manager, their production manager, right on down, you know, throughout the entire camp. So it's really that kind of communication and ethos that the artist creates and in essence has to create because we're walking in there as the last addition to the tour, this environmental mm-hmm. programming. And if it's not authentically coming from the artist, it's not going to work. You know, so it, it really is awesome, honestly, to see how dedicated these artists are to yeah. making this happen. Yes, our programs are flexible and we do philosophically meet people where they're at. And we understand it's more important to have everyone do something than some people do everything, right? Like there's going to be more impact if everyone does a few things as opposed to a few people doing everything. That said, it's a real commitment to work with Reverb. So just the sheer amount of things that are happening on their tour, even though we're there to make it easy, it's still enough of a change in the basic systems and how they do things that if you don't care, it's not going to work. And it'll be very clear if it's a fit or not. If like, so we're going to like, we're getting rid of single use water bottles. You cool? Like you're, you're moving to a reusable. We'll find a one that you like the mouthfeel of or whatever, but we're going to make this work for you. Are you cool with that? We're going to, you know, here's some resources for your farm. You know, here's the food that you should be using for catering. Here are the things you want to change in your ride. There's like just enough things that need to change that if you're not serious about it, (laughs) you'll hang up the phone with us pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. That water bottle thing, finding the right Mm mouthfeel of a reusable water bottle. (laughs) You never think about how important that is until you're on stage and want to pick up the bottle and really need to take a drink really quickly before you go into something else. Mm -hmm. It's a really important thing that people don't really think about. On the last Maroon 5 tour, I saw Adam Levine using those like boxer ones, like literally the same kind that like boxers just use. Have you guys found water bottles that are not plastic that you can squeeze and shoot water out over the audience with? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. We're working on it. Okay, next project. It's our next project, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, like, the philosophy of responsibility. Because you were talking for a second about philosophy. Do you feel that it really is an artist's responsibility 
to set a good example for their fans and also to talk about things they care about? Or should artists do what they want to do in terms of just focusing on their art? Where is that line in finding that responsibility? I think each team and each kind of ecosystem that an artist creates and their management creates and their team creates will allow whatever they need to have happen, happen. I truly do think it, it is up to them. And I think there's no mandate in either direction. Do we hope and wish for a desire and um, them feeling compelled to do something about their own footprint and being responsible for it? Most definitely. Like I think, especially mm -hmm. in this day and age, each of us needs to be reflecting on the fact that just by existing on this planet, we all have a footprint and we all have an impact. And, you know, are we trying to do the leave no trace lifestyle as best as we can and mm -hmm. clean up after ourselves and our operations? So I think if, if artists are reaping the benefits from their own shows and venues and tours, can they take responsibility for that impact? Can they take responsibility for some of their fans' impact by them drawing thousands of people to that show each night? Of course, that's definitely the ideal, but are we going to judge someone for not doing that at this point? No, we're, I mean, we're not. We're definitely not a holier-than-thou organization. We really take kind of the work-with approach and meeting everyone where they're at. So if it's just one step that they want to take, like some bands we've done, we've coordinated biodiesel for them, or some bands, mm -hmm. they want to do offsets for themselves and their fan travel, but nothing else. And they don't have a person on their tour. So we will do anything to get engaged with an artist to help them at least get on that path to sustainability and be a partner in that so we can keep gathering together so that this groundswell happens and it becomes a bit more of a revolution. I was just going to add to, I guess, the person that talks to a lot of artists about this, whether I bump into them on yeah. the road or I talk to their management, I try to frame it less in terms of responsibility, more in terms of opportunity. You're in a unique position as an artist to talk to your fans, kind of like we were talking about with that special connection. And whether you know it or not, you're communicating certain things. So by picking up a reusable water bottle and using it on stage, you're communicating that it's okay to use that. Whether you intend to or not, it's mostly about opportunity like, to excite your fans about what you're excited about or concern your fans about what you're concerned about. And it's a concert, right? So in the setting of a concert, thou shall not be a buzzkill is kind of one of our big tenets, right? <laughs> like People aren't there to be bummed out. They're there to have a good time and enjoy themselves. So we try to go with that towards positive solutions about how the future can look brighter and better for ourselves, other species and generations to come. It's interesting on the flip side of that, when Taylor Swift sent out her first tweet when she became political outwardly, when mm -hmm. Billie Eilish did her partnership with H&M, you know, her sustainable line, and she started tweeting a lot more about climate change. Those bigger artists got a lot of responses on social media saying, we followed you because you're an artist. We care about right. the music. We don't care about your other things. Just focus on the music. What would you say to something like that? That personally enrages me. It really does. The whole shut up and play or shut up and dance, shut up and do yeah. whatever you're supposed to do, or my entertainment. I think that is just a farce. So that makes me incensed because each of us is a citizen. Each of us is a person on this planet. Each of us has the right to free speech. And that includes using your voice for good. And I think wonderful, powerful ways. Ideally, they feel compelled to use that opportunity to speak to their fans but surely they do not need to keep quiet. So that makes me absolutely nuts. <laughs> and that, that tends to be a vocal minority that does that stuff. Oh, yeah. very, but it is very vocal. It is, it is and vocal. some of it's, frankly, even political bots. I've been on a receiving end of that where it's like, oh, they, these are all coming from D.C. Like, it's like there's certain things where it's like, <laughs> these aren't even people right. a lot of times. But yeah, I don't think that's reasonable. And hopefully that doesn't stop anybody from mm -hmm. speaking about what's important to them. Katie Tunsil, I thought, really did. So she came to Peru with us when we were doing an illegal logging documentary and campaign in the rainforest of Peru, along with Stefan from Dave Matthews and James from Rune 5. And it's called Antamiki. It's part of our No More Bloodwood campaign, which is also related to our climate work with Unchange It, our campaign there. My favorite quote of hers, 
oh, when people blow me up on my social media about that, I just simply respond saying, you're on the wrong platform. If you just want to hear our music, go to Spotify. <laughs> Don't follow me. Don't yeah. follow me on my social media. This is where, this I, is where I get to speak. Human. Exactly. If you just want my music, go to Spotify or YouTube. I want to get a little bit more technical now because the podcast is about sustainability. I want to talk about carbon offsets. And I've talked a lot about this to my fans. Carbon offsets are great and also extremely problematic. You know, you take a flight, you say, okay, I'm going to plant X amount of trees to offset my carbon. The carbon is still going into the atmosphere and we're planting the trees that will pull it out eventually. But carbon offsets are problematic. How do you guys incorporate carbon offsets into what you do? And do you see any way to kind of limit the problems that carbon offsets pose? Yeah, I think buying your way out of the problem is, isn't really the answer. And we've been doing carbon offset programs from the very beginning. And the approach has always been shrink your footprint first, but inevitably what's left, let's offset. And it's important not to forget that first part. <laughs> yeah. How do we make this as small as we can? given the parameters that we're on. If it's an artist on tour, we, you need to get from A to B. And so how is that going to work? How do you do that more efficiently? How do you do that minimizing emissions? What are you able to do? What are you willing to do? And how do we continue to move you further along that path? Now, funding projects that mitigate, eliminate greenhouse gas emissions, I think is really important. So it's I am very careful about saying that there's a problem with offsets because ultimately we do need to fund clean energy or protect old growth forests, reforestation, grassland management, methane destruction. All of those projects are really important and need to be part of this regenerative agriculture. All these, it has to happen. But the approach of, oh, I'll just pay the, my speeding ticket and I can continue to speed is not the answer. So we have this climate campaign called, it's called Unchange It. Part of this is to not only think about it in terms of neutralizing your existing emissions, because then you're just replacing your divots. That's not actually solving the climate crisis. You're just slowing down your contribution to it. And so climate positivity is something that we're focusing a lot on when we are talking about supporting these projects that I just listed that are really important to exist and continue to grow. You know, I love the fact that soon renewable energy like wind and solar aren't going to count as carbon offsets because we no longer need carbon offset purchases for those technologies to be viable, which is huge. And obviously, yeah. we hope all of that to continue where you no longer yeah. need it. We joke all the time. We hope reverb doesn't need to exist. Right. Um, yeah, what's your long-term goal to be out of business? That's um, great. For example, so the Lumineers, before COVID, we were able to squeak out the first leg of three yeah. legs of their tour and they were Reverb's first climate positive tour. And as far as we know, it's actually the first climate positive tour uh, where we neutralize 150% of the tour's carbon emissions, including all the fans travel to and from. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, what's incredible is the band. You know, it, it does come down to funding. It is just money, but that money does go towards a really important project that do have real impact. Obviously, not all carbon offsets are created equal. So there's obviously a lot of vetting that happens there. But that's not all they did, right? So that's great. That's a nice headline, the first climate positive tour. And we eliminated single-use plastic water bottles. And we looked at everything. We looked at the food. We looked at the waste, all of it that we can trim away the footprint in the first place. That's amazing. Our kind of first step in this direction as a band was working with our promoters and having a carbon fee built into every deal that we do for one-off shows, for tours. And then they pay us that carbon fee so we can offset 
And it's been something that people have pushed back on. Funny enough, colleges were the first ones to say, yeah, of course, we'll pay for that carbon fee. Sure. Yeah. So they're really starting to get on board. And there's still some that are saying, what is this? I don't understand what this is. But it's fewer and fewer as the mm-hmm. years pass, which is a very nice thing to see. The kind of next thing I want to talk about is sustainability as a whole. We've had an episode on health, on gender equality, on inequality, on education, all of these different pieces. And all of them are definitely related to the climate crisis. It's this web that centers around climate and poverty and how can we address all of these things simultaneously. Are these other pieces of sustainability things that you think about as part of Reverb and in your campaigns? Definitely. That's a big part of what we do is to amplify the voices of local and national nonprofits. So they may be ones that are connected to what Pink is interested in. So we're bringing out UNICEF and we're talking about no kid hungry and kids that are suffering from food insecurity. And we're talking about, you know, what does that mean around the world? How does climate change impact that? Are we looking at environmental refugees? Like there are just so many facets. So I think there are different ways that we can tether together all of these issues and bring those to light and share them with fans that they can take action and do something that feels compelling to them and important. So I think that really is a key part of what we do. And especially as we're growing organizationally, you know, we're looking at environmental justice. And I think a lot of nonprofits, especially ones that are kind of white led and predominantly white, like our organization, really holding the mirror up to ourselves and looking at what we've been doing and how we've been trying to support and elevate the voices of people of color, black community, and how we can be doing better, which we surely can. But looking at our No More Bloodwood campaign, we've been fighting alongside and supporting indigenous leaders who are on the front lines in South America and Central America, try to protect the forests of the world. So trying to look at that and learn from them and learn from some of these campaigns that we've had so that we can grow more of that environmental justice work so that we are cross-pollinating and nurturing each other and lifting each other up. So that's a big part that we're looking at right now and and into the future as well. Mm. I ask this question to everybody that I have, and so many people in the nonprofit space have very strong feelings, either positively or negatively about it. Would you ever consider running for any form of political office? Either of you. I don't, I don't, I'm not a talker by nature. I'm kind of an introvert. So um, probably not. But although I, I have been very involved in the political realm, I've, you know, I've done protesting. I was a Senate page back in the day. I, you know, I definitely oh, wow. have the political bug. I care a lot about it. So if I get fired up enough, which I do, I'll go get arrested. You know, like back in the day, I would do that. And I'm very compelled and kind of stimulated by like issues of justice. Everything I've seen, you know, we live in Maine. It's a small community. So you know people that have run for office. We know what they've gone through and fundraising. Fundraising alone would just, you know, that would shut me down. He's more of a chatter, though. I feel like he could probably do it. Especially if I've had a lot of coffee, if you can't tell. (laughs) I don't I mean, I would never say never to that, but... I don't know. We always talk a lot about like spheres of influence. It's always the most diplomatic though. No, I don't think I'd be a great politician. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't think I'd be a great politician. I I believe I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I think the work we're doing with Reverb and, you know, the fact that I'm just a guy in a band and looking at like, okay, but what does that mean? And what power does that hold as far as making change happen? And I think I've learned to get comfortable with that and understand it and work well within that. So I, I imagine... Really, all I'm going to do is continue to do what we're doing and hopefully just do it better. I think most people who are running for office because they want to see change happen. Mm-hmm. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like the best levers we can pull are the ones we have now. Right. And I think that goes for everyone. And I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do. We're trying to nurture artists to do that themselves. Most of them are already mm-hmm. feeling moved to do so. But we're also trying to 
activate fans, introduce them to issues and concepts and actions where they can, you know, pull those levers themselves to to kind of shift their own life and have an impact. And I think, you know, especially in the context of where we are currently politically, culturally, looking at privilege and looking at our voices and how we can all yeah. use our voices for good, you know, and thinking about the fact that we have kids and, you know, like how do we teach our kids to use their their voices for good? Like not sit passively by, you know, the whole like be an upstander, not a bystander thing. Like just how do you have that thread just move through their lives and all of our lives in a meaningful way so that we're just being the best humans we can be on the planet. And it a lot of times it's not that you have to go run for office. You don't have to be an AOC, like God bless her, mm-hmm. you know, how, how brave, you know, the people yeah. that are doing this, but go to your school, talk to your teacher about something that was bugging you the other day because they spoke in a way that maybe somebody feel put down or just the tiniest ways that we can just stand up and do right and do good for the environment for each other, I think is really, really powerful. Yeah, it's so great because both us as a band and us as an organization, we get so many questions from fans saying, I want to get involved in my community, but I don't know the first step. I don't know what to do. How can I step into the fray? What would your answer be from a reverb perspective? How can they get involved in their own community? You know, for me, it's again, looking around at like, where are you? What is the context of your life? Who are Mm -hmm. the people around you that you might be able to influence and connect with? I talked a lot of like young women, especially about kind of uh, where are they going with their lives and what inspires them and all of that. For me, it's always find a mentor, basically. So that's, I think, one of the best ways to get engaged. Find somebody that you think is on the right path or stir something in you where you're like, I want to understand this. And that's a very usually approachable way to get engaged in your own life. Politically, it's like picking up the phone to call your senator. That can be terrifying. You know, even for me, I get, I'll get butterflies in my stomach before I call Susan Collins office and leave a message. So even for somebody who does this every day, all day, I think piercing through that bubble is really, really hard. So I do think it's just Mm. like find one connection with a person in your life that might inspire you or you think could help you along. And I think it's like finding those partnerships. You're braver, maybe with someone than alone. So building community. What are you passionate about? What do you care about? If it's feeding the hungry or if it's farmers or keeping the parks clean or whatever it is, generally there's other people in your community that feel the same way. And there's probably an organization in place for you to plug into. And Google's a powerful search engine. It's it's there. It's probably there. And I think it's getting over the, what you're saying, like that hurdle of fear. It's really hard. And also just understanding that those organizations need you and want you to reach out. Because that was a big question when we started Reaver. Like, is this going to be helpful to these local organizations? If you're at a Mm -hmm. Maroon 5 concert, 15,000 people there, like, oh my God, even if they talk to a a smaller percentage of those people that they're signing up for their, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, even just their newsletter. But if it's a volunteer opportunity that they're plugging in, all these organizations need that. If fans want to get involved with Reverb directly above and beyond the actions that they take at concerts, how would they go about doing that? Definitely follow us on social media during these COVID times. It's interesting that we haven't talked about it, which is kind of refreshing. Happy to if you want to, but uh, there's a lot that's obviously moved to the digital realm for us. So follow us on social media. We put out weekly calls to actions in several different areas. A big campaign that we're running that we've started and are developing further and further is the Unchanged Climate Campaign. Um, And we're going to see more and more musicians and industry folks getting involved and fans, of course, are a huge part of that. Also, Adam's also hosting Quarantine Kitchen. So it's with fellow artists who are cooking their favorite meal and Cliff Bar is a partner and they're donating bars to the school or group of the artist choice to help kids that are dealing with food insecurity in that community. And they're cooking these healthy, sustainable meals that are good for the planet. So, you know, the concept of like a meatless Monday and things that we can all Mm -hmm. do in our own lives to try to decrease our footprints even during this time, that's kind of a fun way to engage as well. 
Amazing. Yeah, do you cook, Adam? I do. Oh, All right. Oh, you're gonna oh come boy. On. All right. I'll solicit, <laughs> I'll solicit you separately from this conversation. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm a big fan of Asian noodles. And so Ooh. I do a lot of dishes in the Asian space. Lovely. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're going to talk right after this. <laughs> Not a problem. I have one last question for you. So you started to answer it a little bit, but what are the next steps for you? And you talked about Unchange It a little bit, but can you talk a little bit more about that program and where you see it and Reverb going over the next few years. Yeah, so this is our 16th year now. We started in 2004. Wow, um, congratulations. Yeah, just, That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, green was a color and that was it. There was no association <laughs> with the environment really that wasn't used that wow. way. Sustainability was a foreign concept. So yeah, a lot's happened in these 16 years. And I think where we see it heading is we've been very fortunate to work with a number of major artists that have huge followings and have big concerts where we are able to engage thousands of fans face-to-face while they're at a peak moment. What we want to move toward more is we've worked very siloed with each artist. So if Jack Johnson wants to talk about plastic in the oceans, we work with Jack and his team and his fans to tackle that. Dave Mm -hmm. wants to talk about rhino protection, and we're going to do that. It's been very siloed and what we haven't done as much of, we've done some, and when we have, it's been powerful, is bringing those voices together in a very powerful chorus with singular voices and singular messages. More of a coalition of these artists that we've been working with for years and years to actually have coordinated calls to action or coordinated demands to our government or coordinated visions for what live music is going to look like on the other side of COVID, for example. Everything is completely up for grabs and is being reassessed. Like There's a real opportunity to reset things in a very positive way for the planet when this is all over. So there's a lot of great opportunities there. The Unchanged campaign is a big part of that and kind of brings all of that together. We have Maroon 5 and Billie Eilish and 1975 and Dead and Company and a bunch of bands already part of this campaign. They're already taking action in their own lives. Of course, the Lumineers, we mentioned that example. So to now, okay, we're building the website currently to really blow it out as a campaign for resources for fans, actions they can take, what can they do in their own lives and like, boom, really easy things to plug into. And that's true for venues and studios and management company. Like we're building this out for each part of the industry to really bring this together more. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to reverb.org, the first two words in the largest font on our website says band together. And mm-hmm. that is really the mantra of the next 15 years for reverb is how do we really unite the power of everything that we built so far and everything that's out there to make sure that we're really capitalizing on the power and the numbers. Amazing. Thank you both so much for having this conversation today. I learned a lot. I'm sure everyone who's listening learned a lot about how much sustainability relates to the music space. Probably not something they think about often, but thank you both so much for today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to support this podcast, please visit sustainablepartnersinc.org slash donate. Also, follow us on Instagram at sustainable.partners. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Allsbrook, produced and edited by Shelby Kaufman, and executive produced by Sustainable Partners, Inc. I'm your host, Adam Met, and thanks for listening to Planet Reimagined.